Hi, I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. One, two, three. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Uh, so we're here to talk about The Villa by Rachel Hawkins. This was this was my pick. Oh. Uh, so you keep for those of you this, guys... You keep saying this like you're so ashamed. Well, I, I was entertained, um, but it definitely... I, it, it's... I didn't think it was that great. I mean, it was a little cringy, yeah. but, uh, but you know what? It was entertaining. I flew through it. And sometimes that's nice to just have like a nice, good, quick story and like be entertained. And it was like, yeah, it definitely was not thought provoking in a way where the thoughts were challenging. Does that make sense? Like, <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. I would call this the quintessential beach read. Um, but just as a heads up, so we are discussing the entire plot of this book. We're not really limiting ourselves by, um, cutting off at a certain point. So if you have not read the book and you want to, uh, partake of this very beachy read, um, I would say stop listening right now and go read it. Um, or just listen and get spoiled. So that's your spoiler warning. Yeah, up to you. There will be, yeah, exactly. There, there will be spoilers. Um, so before we get into it, we remind everybody what our next, or not remind, because we're just announcing now yes. what our next book will be. So The Villa will be talking about for two episodes, and then after that, we will have moved on to Sadie's newest pick. So, so I just let us know. I decided to um, go the nonfiction route, and this one is actually like a nonfiction bio like scientist kind of situation so it's called how far the light reaches a life in 10 sea creatures by sabrina imbler so sabrina imbler is a scientist um, and a writer um she's a science and conservation journalist i should say so she's mostly a writer but she writes about um science and this book is a breakdown of 10 like deep sea creatures that she is fascinated by. And so it's kind of her taking a like journalistic analysis of these creatures and talking about interesting things about them and how our lives kind of connect with them in interesting ways as far as like adaptation goes and then questions of identity and sex and um, also just like how the planet's doing and how the ocean is doing. Um, so it's a collection of essays and each essay is about a different deep sea creature. I'm really excited. Um, I think this is going to yeah, be interesting. I'm she's, I know she's written a lot of essays for like, I think she's been published by the New York times and the Atlantic. Um, and she's in a super like male dominated field. And I know that that has been a big drive, um, and interest in her work is finding things in her work that kind of she can identify with as, um, a woman and like a um, mixed race woman and a queer woman in this industry, and I think it's I think it's going to be really good. I love the cover of the book; it's beautiful and very trippy. Yes, yeah, I'm really excited about it too, and I really do enjoy nonfiction. Um, and we're 
pretty much typically a fiction podcast, I'd say, but it's nice to like um, bring it in here because yeah. I really enjoy nonfiction too. And this, I'm really excited about it. So great pick. Thank you. Well, we'll see. I guess we don't know yet. Well, it's great in that I'm at least like super interested in it. And it also is very aesthetically pleasing. So, you know, Woo-hoo. It, so far, so far, that's a win. Um, so what uh, are you drinking? So in, um, you know, reference to the villa, I decided to go for an Italian cocktail. Um, it's a sour um, with, so I made it with... Um, Galliano is the main liquor in it, but it's really a liqueur. So Galliano is a classic Italian liqueur. It's very herbal, um, kind of licorice-y. Um, mm. It's really very good. It's really good with citrus, but it's also surprisingly very good with chocolate and coffee. So just heads Ooh. up. So this- what, What's giving it the licorice flavor? Uh, star anise is in it. Mm, okay. Um. So it is like this gorgeous too. It's like this gorgeous yellow lemony color. It's a beautiful bottle as well. It's like one of my favorite just liqueurs to have on the shelf. Um, But it's two ounces of Galliano and then it's one ounce of lemon juice and then an egg white and a little bit of lemon zest. And that's it. And it's very good. That sounds really good. It is really good. If you like, if you like Galliano, it's really good. Um, which I think everybody would like Galliano. I think it's just a wonderful liqueur. Um, so uh, it's really good. Yeah, it's that like, sounds... I like it because it's like a low ABV cocktail too. Like mm. sometimes it's nice to have a cocktail that is still a cocktail, but it's not quite as boozy. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I'm with you. I some. I mean, I don't know if I just don't have a very refined palate, but sometimes like I just have a hard time with super like boozy heavy of some boozes. Like yeah. I can, it just, yeah. I feel like and you've just got to gotta just cut the... through it with something. Like I have a hard time drinking anything like just straight up. Yeah. That's, that's how I am too. Like, and I don't, I feel like it makes me very unsophisticated, especially when I'm married to someone who's like, I don't know, drink, does enjoy and can ruminate on, you know, scotch and port and like, rum and things like that and sip it and drink it and and like I'm like oh it all just I can't do any of it I feel so dumb (laughs) but you're not dumb you're not dumb I think that's totally fine I think half of those people who really enjoy that are just faking anyway so do you (laughs) that would be interesting I bet there's like a quiz out there or like a survey done on that if not we should do it I agree I agree what are you drinking maybe uh so I made like a limoncello spritz in honor of our book uh which has set in Italy and it has beautiful lemons all over it but so uh crushed ice limoncello prosecco and then so club soda and then I put a nice big fat lemon slice in there and it's actually really really good that sounds really good I like limoncello Mm -hmm. a lot I do too and my friend Rita makes these great like it's kind of more of a dessert drink, but it's like limoncello with lemon sorbet Ooh. and then maybe it's Prosecco. I don't, I should, I was going to ask her for the recipe, but I'm like, oh, that's really something you've got to make in like a picture, a picture, picture, a picture. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's going to be a couple glasses of it. And yeah. I usually am like a one, I don't really keep drinking after we record at night. I have like yeah. my one drink yeah, and my edible and I go to bed. So like, <laughs> it's not going to be an up all night, like, you know, pitcher evening. So I'm going to save that, but 
uh, yeah, I like Limoncello too. Really good. Nice. Nice. That was one of the things I liked about this book the most really was like the setting. It was kind Same. of, I, I, enjoy, okay, maybe we should just get into it. Yeah. But I, think I we really, should. we should remind me that I liked that. I wanted to talk about that, about the setting. Well, I mean, we can just start about talking about the setting. So like this book is, takes place. Um, there are two timelines that we're kind of talking about. There's the this 1974 event that happens there's a murder and we all know that there's a murder and then like the details come out throughout the novel as you go along um so it's 1974 at this villa in Italy and it's I can't like remember what region of Italy exactly it is I think it's closer to Florence or something or Pisa yeah and, and it's it's yeah. the the villa is called Villa Risotto Mm-hmm. In 1974, it's now known in the current day story as Villa Aistis and it's or- Oriveto. Okay. That's where it yes. is. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then it's, um, a modern day, like take as well of these two women who go to the villa where the murder had happened and they kind of go for similar pur- purposes, I guess, as the people who'd gone there before. And um, it's a lot of people just like drinking and lounging by the pool in the beautiful sunshine. And you feel like I did feel like I could feel the breeze. Does that make sense? Like I just wanted to spend a summer in Italy at a villa after. I mean, even after this, like I just did. It sounds lovely. Yeah, it's like a really beautiful setting. And I liked because so the story is 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 trying to be kind of gothic at least the i think like i think there's kind of this this there's i got this whiff of it trying to be gothic and i don't know if that's because i mean part of the reason i picked this book is it brought up in the description or in the summary excuse me that it's kind of reminiscent of uh fleetwood mac manson murders which i don't i didn't really get any of that (laughs) i mean i i got got, that only to the extent that they're supposed to be musicians and then there's a but murder. like like speaking of though a movie that is like and book off of Fleetwood Mac is Daisy Jones and the Six did you ever read that I didn't read it but I heard that they're making a movie about it like I think they, the trailer it's, it's like a series oh okay yeah it's like a seven part series the costuming looks fabulous so like um they got like mump uh good people to like write for it. Like Jackson Brown wrote some of the music, Mumford and Sons and Riley Keough's in it. And I can't remember who else, but like, it's like, it sounds good. It looks good. It definitely looks entertaining. And the book was, was entertaining also, but like Mm -hmm. good, like it was better. I mean, but it really did seem like it seems like a straight up like Fleetwood Mac retelling and the movie looks like that too. So I got that out of that book. But I did yeah. not get any like Fleetwood Mac out of this. I'm like, okay. And then yeah. I got no, I, I don't, the Manson murders. Like it's like, just because there's a murder and it's the seventies. Like, yeah. That's so, it. But it, so it was, it was weird. Cause I'm like, uh, this wasn't like, there's one person that and it, and it wasn't died. culty. Like there was no cult yeah. issues going on. But, but then it said in the summary that it was, you know, reminiscent of when Percy and Mary Shelley spent the summer with Lord Byron. So again, I guess because I, I see the connection where this, so the 1974 story is it's this woman named Mira, right? Um, Did I get the name Mari. right? Or Mari. Mari, sorry, Mary. Mari. I can't, it's Marianne, but I think they call her Mari. I, I read it in my head as Mari, but, yeah. um, and then, so, and she is in a relationship with 
Pierce. Pierce. Mm -hmm. And he's a musician. Um, Mari is a writer and they're very, very, very young. Um, And they're in London, right? Yeah. Yes. Living in London. And her her stepsister, Lara, also lives with them. She's also very young. um, And she's fancies herself a musician. And she meets some famous musician named Noel. And he has already had a long career. He wants to revive it. He is renting this villa to go kind of on this music writing retreat and invites Lara and Pierce and Mari to come be with him there and work with him like Pierce as a musician. And then he already has someone who's living there or who's staying there with him. Who's basically like his drug dealer. Yeah. So these are the characters in 1974 and Mari writes this great novel, which then becomes her one and only like published novel. And it's this huge hit. And then her stepsister, Lara releases, uh, and her album, her first album and it's this quintessential like I kind of was I feel like they were trying to make kind of like a I don't know I mean they like Joni Mitchell like they totally compared her almost to the T to Joni Mitchell um, yeah so it was like a Joni kind of situation yes yes and then um and uh Pierce is murdered while they're there yeah. Um, but everyone else survives. Um, and Mari goes on to be this famous author and Lara is a famous musician and Noel Noel, uh, doesn't like necessarily become more famous, but he doesn't become necessarily less famous either. He's kind of just this like aged rock star. Yeah. He just and the person gets washed up and he dies in like a plane crash, like, like John Denver, like all these, like, yeah. uh, like a very classic. Yeah. And uh, and then the drug dealer, God, what was his name? Johnny. He, Johnny, he's the one that's implicated for the murder and goes to prison and like dies in prison yeah. uh, from, I think he hangs himself or something. Yeah. So that's that story. So I'm like, okay, I get the whole Frank and like that. It's this young girl, Mary Shelley that wrote Frankenstein and it's, you know, Mary or Mari yeah. who writes the novel and it's also a horror novel. They're both horror novels. So I got that part, but I was really hoping for more of that. Like, I don't know. No, I, I was I, hoping for more for it to, to match more. That's what drew me to the novel. Like right. I told you, cause we also did Frankenstein. So I was thinking that there would be more elements of the novel Frankenstein in it or like the themes in it. Yeah. I, I really had like set a lot up for this book. I was like, oh, it's going to probably pull themes from Frankenstein, but it'll be more about the creation of it, which, yeah, and it no. had none of that. You know what's interesting <laughs> is I feel like there were more connections to that kind of like gothic Victorian kind of feel yeah. in the descriptions of the book that Mari writes than this actual book because Mari writes the book it's called Lilith Rising and like the cover of the book is this like mm-hmm. Victor- it takes place in a Victorian mansion in England it's dark and moody yes. and you know she's covered in blood and like it's kind of a love story but also a horror novel like it feels like Lilith Rising this novel that's constantly referred to is more on par with like that connection than this actual book but this book was also like very self-referential in like different ways it was it it was an interesting take but I totally like get what you're saying because one thing that I remember I talked to you about last time we recorded 
when we just kind of briefly talked about what we thought about the book is, you know, this book is, is sold as a thriller, but I was disappointed (laughs) by the fact that I never felt any suspense really, or like thrill at anything. And like none of the twists or turns really like felt very twisty. I I had a really hard time with the plots, like the plots in both of those stories, like that, that part was a major disappointment. Like there's definitely things I liked about this book, but I mean, and that's probably why I'm speaking about it rather derisively. And it's just because it's, Mm -hmm. uh, the plots kind of sucked. Like it yeah. could, it's like, it could have been really good. So we already talked about the first one and then the other plot. So this woman Cass, who's a writer, uh, has been best friends with the character chess since they were kids. So it's been like 30 years of friendship. They're these best friends. Chess has become this like very well-respected, well-known, rich, like self-help author, you know, it's like featured on Oprah and all of this stuff. Yeah. And, um, and then Cass it's is Emily. a writer. Emma. That's right. Sorry. It's okay. Why was I saying Cass? Cass. Where did I get this from? Is Cass in the book? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh my gosh. Where did I get that <gasps> name, Sadie? I don't know. I think maybe you were thinking like Chess and then you remember Chess. But either way, there's Chess and Emily, but she kind of just oh goes, my God. she's called That's M. That's so weird. She's called M in the book a lot. But yes, yeah, so like they are best friends. They're 30. Go on. Yeah, they're, they've been friends for 30 years, the best friends. Uh, and then Emily uh, is a mystery writer, um, and she's, like, written this series on this one particular character, and she's been uh, supposed to have turning in her next book and to, yeah. like, kind of finish this series off or continue it and hasn't been able to produce anything. She's gone through this horrible divorce and has all this illness which you kind of end up attributing to the fact that she was so unhappy so like it was almost psychosomatic in a way I I think is what they were trying to say and so Chess invites her to go stay at this villa in Italy and for the two of them to kind of have this like retreat getaway and they can both write because Mm -hmm. Chess is also doing her new book so uh, they go and then as they're there you just of course you start to see cracks in their friendship and you know, just for kind of snarky comments between the two of them. And so that it really goes, which is, you know, honestly, those it's what's weird though, is like, you see that from the beginning, like the first chapter, it's like Emily is meeting up to like meet up with her for lunch for the first time in like two years or something. And she's just talking about how much she like doesn't want to do it and like kind of despises her friend and wants her to fail. (laughs) Like, yeah, that was another part that didn't work for me is it's like, I didn't, there wasn't any like tension or so, okay, to get to this point and you get to this point first. So then also you find out that Chess was like having an affair with Emily's husband and they were do, but somehow it ended up pushing Emily. Like it helped her. Like they kind of quickly, it's like, like what was her reasoning on that? Like it's this really weird manipulative trap was like, she had to sleep with her husband because then that would be make it so that Emily could realize how unhappy she was. And she set up and pretended to be on the phone with him to inflict those psychosomatic symptoms on Emily because it would remind her of her husband who's been causing this illness to her the whole time. Like, I mean, it's like really weird manipulation where like you reach this crux in this novel where 
maybe something's going to happen for the first time because Emily finally like figures it out that her friend is like a backstabber and like has been fucking her husband um, and yeah. is trying to steal her book idea. And then it just like Chess just kind of, I don't know, talks her way out of it into convincing Emily that she actually was doing everything to help her. And Emily kind of buys it. I, I love, and then, and then, <laughs> and then Emily's husband, Matt. Yeah. Like they murder, they murder him. Yeah. And write a book together that, uh, Emily was like writing while they're at the villa and what she was writing was about the murder in 1974. But then you know, honestly, the book, it sounds like she was writing sounds more interesting than this book sometimes yes. like plot wise. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like there's like these little Anyway, yeah. Uh, so then they decide to write this book together and become successful with that. But they murder her, her husband. Emily's husband, like, Matt. Or oh, her, her, yeah. I, we were like asleep and he drowned in the pool. So weird. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Like, <laughs> and uh, but they think like so, they think it's like the only way that they can get away with it because like the crux of it is that she. She owes her publisher this novel and her divorce has been brutal because he, who was her husband for like 10 years, is trying in this divorce to get rights to her novels and to get like money from her novels yeah. that she And she's written. like broke. Yeah, yeah. she's broke. And, and they yeah, have this. It's like. So they're writing this book and they're like, well, we don't want him to win. We don't want him to get any royalties from this book. So we're going to murder him. And that's how yeah. we're going to get away with it. It's it's really strange. But so when all that happens, it's kind of frustrating because it almost would have been if they really did seem like they were better friends. Like if I really could have believed that they truly had a, a good, deep, genuine relationship, mm -hmm. it would have been almost more impactful. But like right from the get go, I'm like, OK, they're they are not like I'm right. like you, the it betrayal, just felt like a, the betrayal would have hit, if, had more impact. Yeah, and it felt like a really kind of trite representation of, like, catty female friendships. Like, yeah. I think you can have a deep friendship with a female, or anyone, I guess. But I think I'm talking about a female relationship, like, with two females, two platonic females, because that's what it is supposed to be in the book. But I think you can have a relationship like that represented and have it be genuine and real and have conflict, like if they have conflict with each other, but not this kind of like catty kind of conflict that they have. Like, it's hard to feel like you actually care about each other. Like their issues. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Like I do. Cause like you get these moments where, you know, like Emily will be thinking something horrible about chess. And I mean, chess is supposed to like, I think annoy the reader and the reader's supposed to always kind of feel like chess is shitty. Um, yeah. But, but like, like Emily kind of is too. But Emily like, is too because she's just constantly talking shit about her friend. But then like is kind of leeching off of her by being in this place. And then you know Chess will say like one thing, and all of a sudden like the two pages of shit that she said about her, like oh, and then she like gives you one of those genuine laughs, and then you remember why we were friends, and it's one of those real Chess laughs, like and yeah, it's, it's just kind of. I don't know. I mean, I, to a certain extent, I do get it because I do think people can be like this, but oh, I, I also, I, I don't know, but I think, that, I guess they can, 
I mean, not quite to this extent, but I will say like, I definitely feel like I have had friends who I think wanted the worst for me. They're not my friends anymore, but they, See, but that's that my point were. right there. It's, it's not that those relationships don't exist. It's that I don't think that like, how could you be in a relationship like this right. for 30 years with right. somebody? No, I, that's agree. the part that's on, but it's, it's, it's almost like she, sh- I mean, on the one hand, it's almost like it's supposed to make it more impactful that they've known each other for so long. But part of that makes it unbelievable because I'm like, there's who would stay in a relationship like this? No, they like, would stop being friends at 25 instead of 35. Right. Like, like if yeah. they were like best friends through high school and then like all this stuff happened, like a friendship like that lasts 10 years. You know, like, and that's only if you're really convinced that you're supposed to be really good friends. And like, that's the longest it can possibly last. And I'm saying that from experience. I had a, I I was in a friendship that was like that, that lasted for 10 years. And, um, you know, it's one of the, but it was one of those friendships though, that like you look back at it now. And if I talk to like my mom or my sisters about it, they'll be like, oh no, 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 no. We could have told you from like year two. Mm -hmm. You know, but because you had a lot of fun with them, some of that shitty stuff like you forgave that you shouldn't have forgiven. And so I do think that like this is possible. But I think by the time you're in your mid 20s and you like like honestly, if Emily was feeling this from her friend, she like the second she became a published author, I think she would have let go of this because of how unhealthy it was. Yeah. Uh, Well, and both of them. I mean, they both became very like successful, like they're live like they you know it's not like they lived in the same town right like they weren't exactly in the same circles at that point even yeah they didn't they didn't have to be right yeah they didn't have they weren't and and sometimes that you do stay in friendships or relationships like that where it's a matter of like location and can like situation Mm -hmm. like so so that's believable it was it's not that maybe the issues weren't it was like it just didn't seem to match and so then it made it feel just a little, like, I couldn't get invested in either, in any of the characters, really. There wasn't, like, in, I, agree. I was honestly more invested in the 1974 characters than I was in Chess and Emily. Yeah. Um, like, I wanted to know more about, like, the the two sisters and their life. Like, I was more interested in them. And I don't know if that's was just kind of a, this, I mean, but that plot was a little, I thought that plot was better. Well, we got, I feel like we got more background to them too. Like even just of, um, like you do kind of jump in after they've already had like a prior conflict. So there's tension right. there and it's supposed right. to mirror, I think chess and Emily's, but it's a little bit more genuine and like understandable because They've stuck together for X amount of time and um, they ran away together. It was like very 70s, very like we're going to run away from our family. Like we're 19, we're running away with rock stars. Even younger and than And there's 19, like a little I'm bit sorry, more like of 16. like... But she... she and like, there's some like polyamory in it a little bit yes. too. There's like... There's so and like there's there was just yeah there's more depth to it so Pierce and Mari you learn had had they ran away together very young he was married or he is yeah, married he's married still. and he has a kid he, like yeah and then they have a child who yeah. dies as an infant from I, I think it's pneumonia or something like yeah. that and they I mean they they had no money to get proper health care and yeah. yeah the baby dies and so Mari's still grieving for that but meanwhile Pierce 
while maybe he's grieving, I don't know, has also like, also has like a sexual relationship or did once know had a sexual relationship with Laura. her, her, her stepsister, Lara. And they talk about, you know, he encourages uh, Mari to sleep with one of their mutual male friends. And, and then even in the, when they're at the villa with the rock star, you learn like Mari and Pierce and Noel, Noel have a have like a threesome, threesome mm-hmm. together. And there is also this element of like, you know, Lara is with Noel, but Noel kind of is hitting on Mari, but so is Johnny. Like, so there's definitely more, there's more relationships to think about too, that are more yeah. interesting. Yeah. So even if it's like not that, great it's still there's something more it's more interesting like the whole relationship with um emily and matt was weird too like i felt like he sounds like a complete asshole no like an actual psycho you know what's crazy though is like one thing that i um couldn't stop thinking about so like the idea is that she gets sick and we don't know until like later when they're like, oh yeah, it was psychosomatic or whatever because she was unhappy with him, that he um, he like leaves her when she's sick, which is so shitty. Yeah. And right, and like when you read it, it sounds impossible, like how shitty that is. But like statistically, actually, like husbands, they're more likely to leave their wives if their wives get cancer, like when they're young. Yeah. And it is like, I didn't sign up for this kind of thing. And it's really sad and it does happen, but there are so many other things about him that are so dickish that you would at least think like that there would have been some sign that he was this kind of big asshole when they were married. Like (laughs) she's still, yeah. Like she seems so hung up on him still too. And then the whole, like I'm sorry, he definitely does seem to have like some definite I don't I don't know not a good guy like sociopathic tendencies. Yeah. But then so if there's that, but then if Chess like had this affair with him and also knew like and then her how she is with that, I was like so then I would say you are too if you like were with it. So they're that part all, was weird. So like they're all like they're crazy like, awful people. Yeah, and then Chess and Emily go on to, like, write the successful, like, novel, and now they're, I guess, that end part was a little interesting. It was almost, it made me think a little bit, like, what was that movie? It was a book first. Uh, is it Gone Girl? Yes. The one with Ben Affleck. And Which it, Gone Girl, by the way, of, is, like, a thriller that's actually good, but <laughs> go on. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that, reading that, but, like, sh- uh, you know, at the end, they're both, like, that husband and wife are like tied to each other in their kind of deceit. And well, maybe it's not the same. Cause it's more like she'll, you get this. I got the sense at the end of the book that like she'll, the threat of her like yes. destroying his life again is always kind of hanging over him, but yet he can also kind of do it to her too. So it's this weird, like constant standoff. And I felt like that's kind of the relationship that is portrayed at the end of this novel that Emily and Chess end up having. Yes. But I don't know if I'm reading too much. No, into it, I, but I think that was supposed to be like the mic drop 
of like, oh, this like doesn't oh, really? happen. Yes, I do. I think that that was supposed to be like, <laughs> that makes the, sense. That's this funny. is the thriller and this is supposed to, is what's supposed to give you a chill in your spine is the fact that they do this together as friends and like Emily feels like she's okay and she's safe or whatever. They did it together. And then like Chess is like holding it over her and will always hold it over her because part of it is Emily wants to not write another novel with her she wants to do something on her own but chess is like no and she like has her clutches in her and is like no if we don't write books together i shall tell everybody you murdered your husband yeah and like and and also chess had like stole like looked on her laptop and like basically stole her entire idea sent an email to her her own publisher about it and like already took it on as as herself i know that's the thing like it's it was almost like it was very soap opera-y like the modern story felt very like I don't know like it's so it's like almost there were times when I thought it was making fun of itself because it's like so ridiculous like this part at the end where I think that's a little too much credit I don't I don't think it's that self-referential no I think you're right I think you're right but like there was a part that was so ridiculous it was this part that we keep talking about is when like chess like confesses like that she yeah. was like fucking him or whatever. And let me see if I can find it. It's so 238. I know they're talking about it at least page 238, where she, Emily is like, What? Did you fuck him oh. in the back of a golf cart chest? A golf cart? Yes, that's exactly At least the tell me there was some kind of ninth hole joke, you know, to set the mood. <laughs> and then Chess is like, Don't be crude. Right, you're fucking your best friend's husband on the golf course, but I'm the crude one. It wasn't at the golf course. Jesus Christ, Em. Just rose up her hands. It was in my car, okay? In my car. We're going to put, we're gonna have to put E on this. Make sure you put E when you post this, please. Because <laughs> So just, no, like, 12 years olds are, like, listening to this? Well, maybe if there's a younger audience, like... <laughs> Just be prepared. I mean, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Just put, yeah. I, I no, think it's we, we should put, put up it. And this is not even our language, even no. though we I curse like a sailor. But this is like from this. So that's the thing. That yeah, the dialogue and the descriptions they just felt a little. Um, like just like unrealistic uh, and kind of like cheesy. It just was cheesy. Well. Un- unoriginal and yeah. unrealistic and cheesy. Like, and I, that sounds so harsh to say, but like, I I feel like it just, I don't know. But it wasn't even like in a funny way. Like a part of me did want to, th- it did feel like there's a way to do this book that it could have been genuinely funny and could have felt like a parody, you know, of like these yeah. kinds of books. Well, because parodies can be good. And yeah, well, I mean, like, could be a good, good critique yeah. of the genre and like, I think it can mm-hmm. just be... They can be funny, but I felt like this one just kind of like took itself a little too seriously, but also like wasn't serious at all. So it was just kind of funny. I also always get kind of weirded out by, um, I don't know, like writers writing about writers, writing about writers. (laughs) Yes, there is a lot of talk about writing in this novel because Mar <laughs> let's me. see Mari chess and then Mari so it's like chess, Emily it's so it's Rachel are, writing about Emily and chess writing about Mari like 
So like, oh, it's, right, right, right. like yeah. it's like weird thinking about this author writing about all these other authors and like their writing processes as they write about each other. And, um, yeah. like this attention to this like writing process was just kind of, I don't know. It was interesting to me because a part of me was like, oh, is this like really like how like the process is, you know, like, is yeah. this like how this author's pro- process is really? It was like my question of right. like, why is she writing about it like this? Um, but at the same, I don't know. It was just kind of weird and not like meta in a good way, just kind of like, almost a little I don't know sometimes stuff like that just kind of comes off to me as like a little narcissistic a little bit like where I feel like they're writing Mm. too much of themselves into it um but I don't know I mean all these people are kind of like awful so I would hope that Rachel Hawkins herself is not like any of these characters yeah I hope so too I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like, and I, I thought at first that chess was being kind of written as. I, I couldn't figure out the tone on chess because it's like at first, I thought she was kind of written as this. You were supposed, like you said, supposed to not like her. Yeah. And be this kind of unlikable character, and then I kind of took it as like she was really not even this real character with any depth or point. It's that was she was there as this kind of parody of like you know kind of a Gwyneth Paltrow or I don't know these other you know white women who influencers types and self-help and and the whole and so that I thought would was kind of interesting if she's just kind of then this foil for it but then then she be kind of kind of becomes a real character a little bit as and then she gets like kind of diabolical and then I think she's crazy so it's like it just she was all over the place for me I couldn't quite tell the tone and then same with Emily Emily kind of was just unlikable like I really and it was hard to root for Emily like even though all this awful stuff's happening to her because part of me I don't know she's hard to root for I think part of the problem too was this almost like woe is me so many awful things are happening to me element of like all the bad things go bad well for her and the fact that she stayed with matt was so hard to understand and not because that doesn't happen or there aren't ways to understand that i just i just feel like we weren't given enough information to be able to understand any motivations and that is what's really interesting to me is about when things like this happen is the why and the characters and why they are the way they are like you know, looking for those whys. And if you don't have enough information, I think it can be really hard to like, I don't yeah, know. Just... I would have, I would have liked a more like kind of, this is kind of like an off base reference, but I kind of wish that the twist in the book had been more akin to like Shutter Island where the protagonist the whole time becomes like the villain villain and you find out they were like Mm -hmm. crazy or completely wrong about something the entire time, right? So like, I think like this very one or two two dimensional perspective of chess, for example, would could have worked if there'd been some sort of perspective shift that shows that Emily is like, crazy and these like Mm -hmm. judgments that she's making and these criticisms that we're seeing her make of chess are completely unbased and like 
unfounded. Like I would have see, liked and that could have like been that. more. That almost would have connect. Uh, me too. I think that's great. You should write that novel. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that would have been. But you know, like sh- you could have really fed off of it, and that I feel like would have even made it seem more like a horror novel, a la like Mary Shelley, kind of like yeah. not in the plot of Frankenstein, but in that kind of element of you know, what is reality and who, like, what is morality and mm-hmm. all of these things. And so, mm-hmm. and it almost, like, needed to go, it's almost like she really needed to lean into this and go even further. And then if it was just had some better, like, dialogue and there was more to it. I mean, it's a really quick read because she's telling two stories in this one book. And the yeah. book is, is what, 290 pages? 79 pages. yeah. Oh, that's the acknowledged 276 pages. So, I mean, it, it's really quick to get through, but it could have been so much more, but then that would have been, you know, a whole different kind of book. And I, I think you're right. Like it's a good beach book. Like, yeah, it's a good, like I've been in a reading slump and I need to like read a book just to read a book and get through a book and feel like I can read a book kind of situation. It's, it's like a palate cleanser. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you go and you have a multi-course meal and like, before you like you you have a nice little like lemon sorbet sort of palate cleanser lemon sorbet and it's a, it like you know i would compare it re- to re-setter. like a bag of chips where there's no nutritional value you might regret it a little bit later but uh you like kind of enjoy it while you're in it i don't know like like there's not much there but it's fine for what yeah, it is. It's, and I will say, like, I know we're, kind of, we're, I feel like we are kind of being harsh, but I will just say, I don't think we're wrong. But also, I haven't read much thriller fiction. But I think that, like, we, we already talked about Gone Girl. Like, Gone Girl is a good example of how you can, like, have something really interesting to say and still have it be a thriller suspenseful novel. Like, and I just feel like this book didn't say anything me yeah I, I I agree like I mean and I did I was entertained the entire time I was reading yeah, it like I said too. I wanted to know what I wanted to know what happened um and I liked like kind of how quick things moved at least yeah you know what I mean yep. like it, it's I wish it had gone more into stuff but I think it's probably good that it was just exactly what it was yeah like it was definitely enjoyable for sure and I definitely like, I never was like, ugh, like, I don't want to pick the, up this book and read it. Like, I got through it really fast because I I did want to read it. It was at least entertaining to that point. And I, again, like, it made me want to go, like, be in a villa. And I I, I did like the, um, the kind of, like, mystery of her trying to unpack and, like, find clues in the house itself. Yeah. I thought that was fun. Like, there's this... Um, part where she finds an m carved into a window um and then you like see how it got there and all that kind of stuff so that was that was something that was fun um that i did enjoy yeah and i really like i said maybe we can talk about that more next time but i really liked the setting um so that's probably something we'll talk about in the next episode too because that's um but yeah, no, I really, I liked it. It was fun. I remember I read, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm confusing it, which I could. Um, 
No, I did not read it. I thought I read one of her books. There, what was the? Did you ever see that movie you're with Emily about, Blunt? You're thinking about the girl on the train, which the yes, which the author's last name is Hawkins. That's why. Yes, but I can't remember. I think it's like Julie Hawkins or something like that. I can't I'm gonna, remember. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look. It. No, because I kept. Um, I just did Hold on. Paula Hawkins. Oh, okay. That's part. Of, well, see, and that's the other reason I picked it up. I thought I recognized. Well, okay, I saw this actually in a like pamphlet I picked up when I was at King's English one day, and it was like an indie. Was it? I think it maybe it was like an indie publisher. That's what you said last like, time when we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, but I but I feel like St. Martin's Press is pretty big. But anyway, it was in that. And then I was like, oh, I thought I recognized the Hawkins as the author of, of The Girl on the Train. Because I remember like, okay, that was like a thriller. And mm-hmm. I was invest like I was, that was like a, that's what I kind of, that was the same level of where I thought the book would be. Yeah. And then the Frankenstein part. So I was like, oh, there we go. Like, tick, tick, tick. Great trifecta. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that makes sense now because as I'm reading this, I'm like, I just didn't seem like the same author. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I just was like, I don't. And I, but I kept thinking of that novel and then also that movie in this. So, cause I think I was trying to connect the whole thing. So that was a little distracting for me, but that makes so much more sense. That's, that's really funny. I can but, see how your hopes would be a little higher mm-hmm. coming off of mm-hmm. like a movie that made like millions of dollars in a book that sold millions upon millions of copies so that makes sense yeah <laughs> that's funny oh i really like this limoncello i should do those more yeah i you bet made it would me be want one you, you made me want summer actually i just want i'm ready for summer already i'm so over it sadie i'm so cold yeah i'm so cold and i'm so happy that there's so much snow like really i am it's yeah. great and it's beautiful and i'm lucky to be able to be complaining about it but like ugh, it's so cold I was so cold this morning riding and there was like fog too mm-hmm. I mean my horse had icicles on his whiskers what like is cold I mean oh, it's because like me sad. you know his nose his well it, it wasn't that bad it's not like like his nose runs or whatever and so yeah. like when you're running it happens and then so there's just little like teeny little icicle wets on her but it's like it's so cold <laughs> Yeah, over it. I'm ready. I I will say I'm going to Mexico in February, and I am so excited. I am I'm ready to just sit at the pool, and I'm gonna read a bunch of books. You and I'm deserve gonna it. Go oh. like make sure you post your ruins. post yeah. your what books you're breeding. You're bringing. <laughs> Did you say breeding? Shh. <laughs> I'm sure I did. I shall not be breeding to. anything. Uh, <laughs> I'm on birth yeah, control. I hope not. Just kidding. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> let us know what books you are packing okay. for your trip. You know what? Oh, okay. Can I tell you something that is funny? So you know how you are a heavy packer? You pack everything and everybody is grateful. Like I will, like I'm not making fun of you. Like everybody is you grateful. You can make fun. I'm, I, I'm happy I benefit to, from to it. take it. I wear some of your clothes when we're together. Like you basically pack for me too. I use your hair dryer. Like it all works. It all works. Everybody's oh, no, grateful. No, I, no shame in it. I just like to be, I like to have everything I think I could possibly need. As and I should. like options. As you should. And it is what it is. <laughs> and I, I will just say though, 
after having gone on that trip with you and like seeing how you do it and how you like settle every place that you like travel, like you unpack and Mm -hmm. like, it's great. You've like, you've convinced me. Like I used to be like a travel as light as a, like a packer as you possibly can. Like don't bring anything that you don't absolutely need and only bring like two shirts and then just wash them if you need to. Like that was me. Now I'm, I'm going to pack heavy for this trip and I'm going to bring you know, pa- outfit changes yeah. for lunch buffet. I'm going to bring outfit changes for mm-hmm. dinner. I'm yep. going to have like five swimsuits, one per day. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to like enjoy myself and I'm going to pack heavy this time. I mean, this is the thing. Like I know that there are times when it is not appropriate to pack like that, but if I am mm-hmm. able mm-hmm. to carry my own suitcase or whatever my bags are, I don't go past the amount that I'm allowed to bring. I don't bring, I hardly ever bring a carry on. So I, I save room for people and I take the risk because, you know, baggage loss, Get like lost. I understand, mm-hmm. but I've weighed out, like I'm willing to take that risk to have all of what I need. And yep. then like, I'm like a carry on. I pack just like enough to be able to be okay if my bags get lost. And so why not? So I'm going to, so you should, yeah, try it. Let me I'm know. I'm do. interested. I'm going to let you know how it goes for me. Chances yeah. are I'll still forget something, but I think it'll go. Okay. I'm excited. It might take some, pra- it might take some time. It might take some practice. I'm, know, I'm like, definitely going to have to get like the bag out and start packing things like a week ahead. Um, mm-hmm. as I remember things, I just know that I should not let this be something I just do night before, which is my usual route. Um, I'm going to be like methodical about it. And even if it doesn't go perfectly this time, I'm sure the next time it will be fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. And I'm, you you know, I, I, I feel very honored. So I appreciate being able to influence that. I hope it works out great for you. You've inspired me. I've been influenced. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, all right. Well, we will be back for our next episode, uh, continuing to talk about the villa. Um, so if you haven't read a copy, um, go pick up one and hopefully nice quick like palette cleanser for you too so um and then we remind everybody also what our next book is so you can pick up a copy from your local bookstore or bookshop.org yes so our next book is how far the light reaches a life in 10 sea creatures by sabrina imbler i-m-b-l-e-r and and i'm very very much looking forward to picking this one up and reading yeah we're really excited about it Um, Yeah, so thanks for listening, uh, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.